Good morning. How's everybody? I got good news. The Broncos will not lose today. So good to see all of you. Glad you're here today. Very excited about this. We're in a great series called Practical Ways of Spiritual Warfare. Uh, recently, Pastor John and Jake did an amazing series on the really big, big nuggets about spiritual warfare. But we began to realize there's a lot of little lifestyle things that could give us victory in a spiritual realm. So we've moved in that direction. And a couple things as related to this message. Last night, I came in, felt like I was wearing a lead suit. There was a heaviness, there was a weight. And by the end, that had been lifted, and there was a great, great response to what God had to say. I came in here today with such joy. First of all, getting to see all of you and talking with many of you in the lobby and on the way in, and you bring great joy to me, so I'm thankful about that. So last week, Pastor John talked about fasting and prayer. I hope many of you have taken that opportunity to do that. I did this week, and it was just a great week of spending time with God. But he was giving us some verses in his message, and I was sitting there, and this is an interesting thing. I thought, man, that's really a good, hey, this is a great area of practical warfare. And I had these three thoughts that came together, and I was going to just share those with Pastor John, and uh, he happened to have a very important uh, opportunity, a ministry opportunity, and he, he let me know last Saturday, he said, hey, or, or, earlier, would you like to speak? And I said, I've got something, yeah. <laughs> when it works that way, it's so cool. So that's the genesis of what we're gonna share today about three practical ways that you can defeat the enemy. How many of you would like to defeat the enemy? Okay, we wanna hear it today, all right? You're alive, you had an extra hour of sleep, maybe. All right, you should be having enough caffeine going through your system. So here's one of the verses he read uh, last week. Therefore, uh, well, let's go to the first point, righteous. Did we cover that yet? Okay, righteous. So some of you are gonna, I'm so excited, sorry. I just, I'm ready to go, okay? Righteous is a heart for God. That was the first point. So in the verse that Pastor John shared, James 5, 16, it's these words. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of righteous person of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. If you've been around church long enough, you know that verse. You've read that verse. You've quoted aspects of that verse. You have said, Lord, we're going to confess our sins to one another. Lord, we're going to pray for one another. Lord, we want healing. We have urgent requests before you, Lord, and we want to see a powerful effect in these prayers. And if you've been like me, you just bypassed one of the most important words in that verse, the idea of righteous. The idea of righteous. Somehow we believe that we can live a life, all right, without living righteousness and expect God just to come to our beck and call and answer all of our prayers. So I've read that many times, and boy, last week as Pastor John, I was like, wait a minute, this is good stuff, all right? And then another verse that he read last week was Galatians 6, 9 at the end of his message. He said, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I hope you left, if you were here last week, with this commitment to, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep after this. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. And so my little mind just went to, I wonder what the verses are before that. So I looked up these verses and I thought, oh my goodness, how this fits with what God has shown me. Galatians 6, chapter... <laughs> Slow down. Breathe. Can you tell I'm excited? All right, slow down. 
Galatians. It's been great having you here today. Thank you for joining us. We're done. Go be righteous. Let me try one more time. Galatians 6. Listen, third grade was the best three years of my life. Verses 7 and 8. Here's what this verse says, and look how it ties into what we learned from Pastor John. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So righteous is a church word. Maybe you've been around. When you become a believer, you are made right with God. Through the love, the grace, the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins, you've been made right with God. But there's a lifestyle that God intends that reflects who he is as a holy God that we live righteous. And just because you've become a Christian doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're perfect in righteousness. There's a continual process of what the verse said, living in the spirit, pleasing the spirit. All right. Now, righteous is that church word, and I think most church people kind of know. Uh, how many of you are from the 70s? You were kind of around the 70s, okay? Uh, a lot of the 70s slang was really good. If you, do you remember the term righteous? Man, that was righteous, all right? Man, that's a righteous dude. All right, now, righteous is not be confused with groovy or far out. There are different words, okay? But really, righteous meant, man, that is really cool. Now, when I was a young man, I was a righteous dude. I had bell bottoms. I had the big collar. I had the big puffy. I had the tie. I, I was a righteous dude. Not so much anymore. <laughs> but this idea of righteous, okay? Now, in the Bible, they talk about three types of righteousness. The first is unrighteous, all right? This is a sinful nature. And again, as a believer, you can take on, at times, that sinful nature. At worst, the Bible talks about unrighteousness is actually wicked. Here's the verse, 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Having this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord must turn away from unrighteousness. There is proof there that we who name the name of the Lord can still fall into unrighteous living, all right? And so I want you to be very aware of that. Uh, listen, we're in a modern culture. I've been a pastor for a lot of years. I know in our church, I understand that it's easy to move into unrighteous living, all right? How do you measure that? I'm not here to be judgmental. I'm not here to poke at you. We'll cover that in the next statement. But the point is this. What is in your heart? What is in your life? What have you opened up to in your life? Are there things you should not be watching? Are there things you should not be doing that are not after the spirit of God? And I pray today that you will receive the heart of this message and the compassion that God has for you, that you would be able to walk away here free from some of the unrighteousness that maybe you've led in your heart. That's hard preaching, isn't it? But very necessary. All right, the next one is self-righteous. Anybody here self-righteous? Raise your hand. <laughs> Always self, there's, yeah, me. 
You know, the Bible talked a lot about a Pharisee. And we kind of understand that. Self-righteous. I grew up in a church that was very self-righteous. Man, we judged everybody. And we were the most judgmental, mean, nasty people. All right? And we were like so much better than all you unrighteous sinners. And we could point out your sin and tell you how bad you were and all that kind of stuff. But do you know that Jesus really had a tough time with self-righteous people? I don't think it's changed. And I think if you're here today saying, I am so much better than the person next to me. Now, if you're married and you're sitting next to your husband, that's not a good thought. All right? And you shouldn't have raised your hand. What is self-righteousness? All right, there's so many scriptures. I just give you a couple chapters. Romans 2, Romans 10, Galatians, all of Galatians. Talks about a self-righteousness that comes from what I do and, and, and how great I am. Self-righteous is talking about a pride. It says, hey, look at me. Look at how godly I am. I don't do what Donna does. She's, she's just unrighteous woman there. You still love me, don't you? She better. It's all about pride. Look at me. Look at how God I am. It's about an outward appearance. Your heart, and the Bible talks about inward, it was dirty, but outward, it was, hey, look how good I am. And there's so many scriptures that relates to that. Jay gave a great word for this. He said, what's right for me? What's right for me? All right? And here's something interesting about self-righteous. Listen to this. It's not the what I do. It's the why. It's not the what I do, it's the why. And if my life is to be righteous and to glorify God, then what I do comes from a heart of God, not how great I am. Please know, I am telling you, this has been something I struggle with. Years ago, I preached a sermon about the uh, prodigal son. I'm the older brother. I was the guy that said, why in the world does that guy get a barbecue I'm the one that stayed around. He went out with prostitutes and spent all the money and I'm here doing everything. Just that attitude of missing grace and it's just a sad place to be and yet it really does happen and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that if you're honest, you probably would admit that maybe sometimes you can be a little self-righteous. So the last one is righteous, okay? To live to please the spirit. That should be our heart in being righteous people. All right, the outcome of that or the outflow is that we're humble. We're not pride. We're not saying, hey, we come into this place saying, but for the grace of God, I need you, Lord. I need to live this way. A righteous person starts from the inward working its way to the outside. It's not about the outside looking good. And then Jake, again, this term to follow up what he said for self-righteous, what's right by God? I loved what he said there. So let's look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 22. Verse 22. Flee from youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Here's the point. Righteous. You should pursue it, but you can't produce it. It has to be in God that you find that righteousness. All right? So let me sum that point up. The problem of sin, it separates you from God and the Bible says it's death. The problem of religion or self-righteousness, it assumes that you can be right with God with your works. It still leads to death. So I wanna ask you this morning, do you wanna defeat Satan in your life? Yes. 
live righteous. It's powerful, very powerful. Second way to defeat the enemy is this word together. Heart for others. Together. We're such a, a society and a culture. Uh, I read a statement the other day that the worst thing to happen to uh, neighborhoods is garages with remotes and porches moving to decks in the backyard. We used to be a community. We used to share life. But you like, Nancy parks in the garage, I don't. I park outside. I'm a good husband. She pulls in, what happens? The door goes down, you go in the door. You don't ever have to see your neighbors. You go to your back deck, have your party, you and whoever. Used to be you'd have a porch. I'm an Andy Griffith fan. I love Andy Griffith. I love that show. And there's a lot of scenes uh, uh, with them on the front porch. Barney, Andy, Aunt B, you know, and some other one of those great characters from Andy Griffith. And what neighbors are coming by, they're sharing life. We've moved away from that. And unfortunately, it's been a part of the church that that's happened. God wanted us to do this together. Let me give you some scripture proof for that. It's often stated, but sometimes we don't take this very serious. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, let us not neglect, neglect, very important, our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And then Acts, I love it. We as a church look back to the first church that took place after Jesus' resurrection and ascension and what happened in the early church. Amazing that what God did to establish that. So we look at what the culture of that early church was. Acts 2, 42 through 43, or 44. And they devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. Now, let's just stop right there. All of that's good stuff. How many want to grow in your faith? All right? How many know that just God's word and teaching and all of that develops you? How many love sharing life together, fellowship? Okay? And the word fellowship comes from the word koinonia. Okay? I'm not good at Greek like Jake is, but I know that word koinonia because it was a great band, a Christian jazz band, <laughs> In the 80s, and I remember that. They were really good. Anybody ever hear Koinonia, the band? My man, right there. My man. All right. People, good people, right there. And uh, I remember that, but the idea was an invested, shared thing, whether we shared in a boat or an experience or whatever, but that idea, it was shared and it was investment, all right? To the breaking of bread. How many get an amen for good bread? And two prayers. All right, then fear came over everyone. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. All the believers were together and held all things in common. I long for that. I understand that it's a difficult thing in our modern culture, but shouldn't we long for the things that God wants us to be as a church? All right, how many of you got a puzzle piece on your way in? Okay, everyone that got a puzzle piece, you're going to heaven. Everyone that did not get a puzzle piece, I'm sorry. <laughs> Too bad. Actually, it's a great illustration because the church is kind of like that. A lot of you are on your way to heaven. Every weekend, we may have people who walk in the doors that really don't know Jesus yet. Will they experience self-righteous people or righteous people? Will they experience love and grace? 
All right. And so I, I purposely knew, I, I've been told that when we hand out things, some people refuse. So you're not going to heaven. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the judge of that. All right. How many of you like puzzles? Raise your hand. All right. You're the same people that like cats. Just being honest. Sorry, Traff, Caitlin. Sorry. All right. I'm, I'm an honest person. I don't like cats. But it's a two-way street. They don't like me. Every time I go to somebody's house that has a cat, it looks at me. And that cat is thinking, hmm, that's a good dinner for several days. If you're a cat person, bless your heart. No, I'm teasing you. All right, puzzles. But people who like puzzles, I don't like puzzles, okay? I'm, I'm sorry. Now, you're, you're judging me. You're self-righteous. But I thought a puzzle would be a great idea, all right? I will tell you, I've had two significant moments, I'll share them today, in my life with the women that I love. Nancy uh, was undecided about me, okay? Don't know why. <laughs> anyway, I gave her my best stuff. Man, I romanced her, I dined her, I wined her, and all that stuff. So she wasn't sure, okay? So the Lord really spoke to me. She said, I just need some time. So I got this, I got this idea. I got a puzzle, all right? Because she liked puzzles, and I wanted her to have that time to kind of just meditate or whatever you want to call it. I got her a puzzle and a bottle of wine. Either she's going to get drunk and fall in love with me, or she's going to get clarity. Literally, she put this puzzle. It's a beautiful puzzle. It was one of the Kincaid puzzles, and it was Jesus walking with a disciple in a garden. It's beautiful. And she was looking for direction. I thought, that's the right one. And, and it worked. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're out here dating someone, get them a puzzle and wine. <laughs> Works every time. All right, but hey, uh, take a look at your puzzle piece, okay? Can you identify what that piece is? All right. All right. This is why I hate puzzles. <laughs> I can never tell what that piece is. You know the worst puzzle? One that has a lot of clouds. Drives me nuts. All right. I will show you what your puzzle piece ends up looking like. Can we bring up that picture? Isn't that a nice fall picture? All right, and don't, that actual size is not actual size. That's blown up, by the way. All right, now look at your piece. Leave that picture up. Look at your piece. Can you find your piece in that picture? Okay. And I thought this was a beautiful fall picture to identify the fact that you are a part of that picture. Okay. When you come into God's kingdom in this local church, there is a nice puzzle picture that God had in mind. And so back to the point that some of you don't have a piece. Listen, if you don't have a piece, you're missing in the picture. And the together that God intended was that we all would fit, that our image, that our shape would all come together to represent what God wanted for his church here locally. And you have to understand the devotion to this process is so key. Now, all right, take your piece, okay? And the person next to you, all right, see if your puzzle piece fits. If it does, it's a miracle. Josh, you're the man. All right, hey, all right, let's do something here, all right? Uh, in order to motivate people, uh, more for the next time we do hand out something, look on the back of your puzzle. 
there are, there are numbers, one through six. How many have a number? Raise your hand. Okay, there, other numbers, raise your hand. There, anybody else? Okay, you guys are winners, okay? Now, if you have number two, I have a dinner gift card for you. Anybody here with number two? Come see me after service. You're going to Bad Daddy's Burger Bar or whatever it is, man. You're taking me with you. No, no, take him, take him, okay? All right, so if, if, you, if you didn't get number two, but you have uh, one through six, you're a winner too. You get free coffee from the coffee bar. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody gets free coffee at the coffee bar. So except for Josh, most of you didn't have a fit next to you, correct? Hey, there's a real point in that. Listen, finding your fit in place isn't always easy. And sometimes you give up way too soon. Instead of processing how and where you can be, it's an important thing that you are devoted to that. And there are ways that that happens in our church. All right? And I want to share a few of those things, okay? Now, uh, I, I, you know I don't like puzzles. And so... Uh, Brenda, my first wife, liked puzzles. And I, I still don't understand how people like puzzles. They're just annoying. They're hard. And so obviously it requires certain brain power, so maybe that left me out. But here's the point. Um, she's got cancer. She's got maybe a, a few months, and I bought her a, 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 a puzzle. Her favorite place was Hawaii. All right, And it was a small puzzle. I think it was 100-piece. I thought I had a shot with that one. But I was thinking, okay, she had this all laid out as you do. And, and she looked at me, she said, would you do this with me? I don't like puzzles. Alex, you know. And I looked at her eyes and I thought, what's more important? Being together with someone I love or not doing something I don't want to do. So we got together. We started working on the puzzle. She got the clouds. I got the corners. <laughs> For the next hour, we shared a moment. I'll always remember that moment. I want to say this. It isn't just the final product you see. It's the process. And some of you are missing the process. And it is in that together. And my life, my experience with people of God has been dramatically changed. Some of you here today have been a part of that process. Some of you here walked with me through difficult times. Some of you here rejoiced with me at great times. The church was never meant to be done alone. Your peace is missing if you do not make that devoted commitment to be a part of that. So I want you to keep your peace. And I want you to put it somewhere this week to remind you you're an important part of the puzzle. So how does that happen then? Here's a few ways. Can I go to Medlin now just for like five minutes? Will you still love me? If not, you're self-righteous. <laughs> Here's the Medlin. This is true across the board. COVID came. All right. And um, we couldn't meet. And so because we had a great tech team already set up, we could do online stuff. 
All right, and the reality is across the board, since being able to meet again, almost 30 to 40% of the people have not returned to church. That's stats. That's true at GFC. I know there are people watching live stream now that haven't been back. Okay? How many like church in pajamas? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Wear your pajamas. I don't care. <laughs> Just wear a robe. Here's the point. Start, folks, and you're here today, so I'm preaching to the choir. You're here to start with this weekend. Say, I'm going to be devoted to coming to be a part of the big picture. So if, you, if, you're a, if you're one that is just now, and I've seen people that hadn't been here to you, I'm so glad you're here. You matter. You matter. You are important to the big picture, what God has. I urge you. I encourage you. I ask you to come and be a part online. I know there's a part for that. Well, I, listen, we have people that right now, do you know that our online viewership is twice the attendance of our weekend? Yeah. Okay. Now I know there's reasons. I know people travel. I know people have other houses that they live in away from here, okay? I get it. It's a great tool, but it's not meant to replace gathering together. So if you have that opportunity, let me challenge you with that. So, but guess what? There's more. So many people in our modern culture, all right, say, hey, I'll, I'll click in a couple times at church. I'll show up. I'll bless them with my presence a couple times a month. You know, they'll be happy to see me. But it's not community. We don't have that opportunity here to really share life. We hear message, we worship, all those good things. All right? We have a lot of events that are called a connect event. There are ways that are just on ramps to meet other people. There are so many opportunities. I can spend the next five minutes going through those. All right, Jeff, you guys are working on a great thing called Activate that finds your minute. Yeah, I see Roy over there too. Roy and Jeff and Jake. All right, there's so many ways. All right, come see me. Come see Cindy. We can help you. All right, you like shooting guns? Okay, we can shoot guns. We do. We go shoot guns. Okay. It really got quiet. I thought you were mostly conservative here. Well, I'm going to Medlin now, aren't I? Let me just say this to our veterans. I echo what Dan in this church has said. You are fighting and some dying for your right to vote. And you better vote. Don't take that for granted. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but if you have a gun, you know how to vote. Um, stop. I'm pandering to the audience. Yeah, I know. No, I'm teasing you there. We, hey, we got motorcycle rides. We got, we got all sorts of, we got, got, we got all sorts of things. Okay. Our women's ministry has all sorts of things. They got some great events coming up. It's a great way to sit down and meet new people. All right. That's the next level just to connect with people in the church. But really, if you want community, you've got to look at the idea of groups. God is doing some neat things, shaping us here. All right. Now that we have a place and now that we have some development, we've got a lot of people that are going through some training development, but we have groups. We have a group that is business. This is one I'm really kind of going to be preaching at you. We meet once a month. Okay. And we share what God wants to do through business. 
and we encourage each other. We pray for each other. We do all that thing. In our church here alone this morning, there's at least 200 businessmen and women. You ought to show up for that. You would be a blessing to us and we'd be a blessing to you. Masterworks is an amazing opportunity. All right. We have singles. I keep that. Do we have singles? Yes. Go to the website. Next Sunday, Saturday night after service, we do a message dinner and a message discussion. It's really a good group. We have a new one coming. If you're 60 and over and proud, raise your hand. Come on. If you're 60 and over, would you want to be 20 again? No way. I was a righteous dude, but that was not that fun. We're going to start a new one. We're going to have a Christmas party called Life Plus. We're going to have a lot of games, great food. We're, going to, uh, we're looking at having Black Eyed Pea, Pea Gator it. We like country food, us over 60. All right, good stuff. All right, ministry teams. JJ just shared an opportunity if you're in creative or technology or, or arts and gifts to come be a part of that. Other ministry teams. So many opportunities to build community by doing ministry together. All right, I want to say something really important here, okay? I grew up in the church. In our church, my mom and dad made sure church was a priority, all right? They created for us a culture of priority about the things of God. And there was fruit and a harvest from that that is very important. Church was a big part of our life, all right? I can tell you of mom and dad's five kids, they all know Jesus, four in full-time ministry, Several of their grandkids in full-time ministry, all knowing Jesus. Now, that isn't a pat on the back. That is just people saying, God is important. I understand. Listen, if you're looking at me thinking, oh, he has no idea. My I know. There's sports. There's all sorts of things that can be a detraction. And today, our culture doesn't have, help us, does it? Used to be Sundays was off limits. Now, it's all on limits. But it's choices you're going to have to make and things that you're going to have to decide but our parents created that. Now listen, our church is a believer in our vision, all generations to experience life in Jesus. There was a great effort by our team, our children's team, our, 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 our designers to make our kids thing, our youth thing, bar none, one of the best around. Why? Your kids matter. Your teens matter. We got some great youth leadership. They matter. All right? And yeah. They were here last night. They're working on other stuff, but here's the point, okay? Uh, Jake was telling me a stat that he came across. Listen to this. If your children or youth have not experienced a lasting experience with God, by the time they're 16, they're out. They're gone. They're gone. I believe that. I remember as a five-year-old kid being in church experiencing Jesus' love. He can do that. So your children count. They need to be a part of you being together. All right? So you want to defeat Satan? Yes. Yes. Come together. Last point. Attitude. I was going to call this funky or yucky. As you can see with my speech problem, those are two words you don't want to touch up. <laughs> so can we go with the word attitude? All right? In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
James 3. Who is wise has understanding among you. He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every kind of evil. Pastor John has said, where there is strife, the enemy's at work. I want to tell you something. A lot of people came up to me and said, this convicted them. Let me share why. Uh, I, I've had the privilege. Uh, next year will be 50 years of being in, full, in ministry as a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Clap for the people that had to put up with me. Anyway, I, I, I really look old, don't I? I've just... I was a righteous dude. <laughs> You're the church. You're God's people. Can I tell you, you have a big target on you. Satan is looking to shoot you down. But I got to be honest, you need to understand this. I'm going to share it from a personal standpoint. When you're the pastor or leader, you are the bullseye. How many know that when pastors and, and, and Kathy, what you shared, it's powerful. Pastors, the bullseye is hitting them. How many of you want to be the arrow? All right? We do so by our attitude and by the things we think in our words. When I was a pastor, it was nine years. It was an odd time, nine great years and nine difficult years. God blessed it. Church grew, all sorts of great things happened. But it was tough because I'm not perfect. I had shortcomings. And, and, and guess what? Everybody found those out and was very good to email and highlight them on a weekly basis. Okay? You're no righteous dude. Here's the thing. Instead of the church walking in God's truth that we just read, instead of working together, people were critical. People were hurtful, murmuring, gossiping. So here's the outcome of that. People, listen. I'm not here to point any fingers. I have no idea. People said, well, if you're not going to do what we want to do, we're not going to give anymore. If you don't do what, we're gonna, not, what we want you to do, we're going to leave the church. There are amazing great churches in this area. You can leave at any time and go to another church. All right? But is that what God wants? All right? And it's easy. It's easy to get into this. Okay? All right? You're going to get married, what, two weeks? All right, you love her? Okay, what if I told you some stuff about her? She's family now, okay? So Jake, you're my nie nephew, not niece. Oh, it all goes today, right? Anyway, all right, so if, if, if you're my nephew, she's my what? Grandniece, something like that? Great niece? She's great for sure. No, really. So let me talk to you about this, Aaron. What have I said? Man, I got to tell you some things about her. And I started trashing her, okay? What would you do? You'd get upset, okay? What else would you do? Would you try to straighten me out? Okay, like, I'm going to just tell you right now, she dresses really weird. <laughs> she just does. How many have seen her dress weird? 
Okay? When she laughs, she snorts. <laughs> Saw her picking burgers the other day. I'm just telling you. She's really, you sure you want to marry her? You sure? Okay, he's sure. Too bad. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus says that you're his bride. And when you start trash talking his bride, you think Jesus likes that? We never think of it that way, but I'm telling you, everyone in this room that claims to know Jesus, you're the bride of Christ. And the Lord is not pleased when we start trashing his bride. I'm not saying there aren't issues that we can't talk about and deal with, but when you have a negative, selfish bend on what you say about people, you are not making God very happy. And you are opening the door for the enemy to do a lot of damage. I've seen it as a pastor. I've seen it in ministry and churches. And it's so easy to get caught up in that. Okay? All right? Does that make sense? Yes. Cindy, how many kids do you have? Three. Three. I need to talk to you about your kids, too. Now, his bride, you know, hey. It's your kids. They're a bunch of... Come on, let's go. She, yeah. She, she would do that. Your kids, they're dumb. I'm just telling you. They're dumb kids. You need to know that. They, they are dumb kids, I'm telling you, okay? There's a lot you don't know about your kids that you need to hear about. I'll, I'll tell you more later, but I'm just telling you right now, they're dumb. How'd that make you feel if somebody would talk about your kids that way? You're a mama. You're a mama bear. Brenda, when we went to Seacoast, uh, it's a church out in South Carolina, we had just got there. They had a, a, a big dinner. They had this, uh, it's called a low country boil, and it's, it's, it's really good. It's got like shrimp and sausage and potatoes and corn, and it's so cool. You pour it on a table and eat what you want. It's, it's just a good dinner. And we had one of those. We're new at the church, and we were in a cafeteria to school, and there's a guy there. He had all these keys. I don't see these kind of guys anymore, but he had all these keys. He's a redneck, pure D, ignorant redneck, okay? Now, I'm not talking bad, but it's just true. He was not a very wise man, but anyway. So we're brand new at the church, and we're trying to, you know, not make a good impression, but really fit in. And so um, this guy, my daughter Heather, was like sixth grade, and she was running around with Surat kids that are friends, and uh, this guy didn't like it. He grabbed her. Okay, he grabbed her and he started telling her, you're not going to be running around here. Well, I'll just tell you this, all right? I, I used to run track, but Brenda, whew, she ran across that cafeteria. She grabbed him by the arm. She said, buddy, if you ever grab my daughter and talk to her like that again, I'm going to tell you what. I'm a little woman, but I will beat the snot out of you and you will remember it the rest of your life. Yeah, you clap. I was thinking we're out of a job. He never did that again. We need mama bears in the kingdom of God. We need folks here that will not put up with trash talking the father's children. And you leave here today making that choice of you're going to be a mama bear or you're going to be in that place where you begin to trash that. So let me wrap this up. The reality of our words and our thoughts can be very misguided. All right? And we have to be very careful with our heart and the attitude there. All right? We can cause in our own mind a belief that may not be entirely true. All right? I want to I give you... How many of you are at Trunk or Treat? 
Man, it was good. I want to show you some cars at Trunk or Treat. Some people did a great job. Can we show those? All right, that was a, they had a, two camping things, really cool. All right, next one. All right, that was a neat kind of a thing. <laughs> they hung poo, bear, whatever. All right, this kid came by. I love this guy. If this is your kid, I felt so sorry for him. He's got this kind of inflatable dinosaur thing, and it's got three inflatable claws, and he could not get candy. Look at him there. He's trying. You had to put it in his bucket, okay? Uh, next one, all right? This was such a neat thing. Arapahoe County sent a sheriff to come be a part of that. I don't know who put that together. I had some great conversation. 25 years, officer, she's retiring next year. Was so wonderful to be a part of that, all right? Next one. This was scary. I had nightmares. Spiders were all over me. Okay, these were great events, all right? But I, I, this next one's amazing. Now, if you know me, that's my van. Okay, now let me just tell you the story of this. I had two hours to do a trunk or treat trunk, okay? And I'm thinking, what in the world can I do? And I thought, I'm gonna do something really dumb. Very easy for me. All right, so what I did was I put up that and I had a cage in there. And it was a metal cage and kids would come by and they'd look in there and it'd obviously be empty. And my shtick was, oh my goodness, this creature, the scariest thing got out. And I would look under my van and on the roof and, and the little kids, man, they were really freaking out. <laughs> sorry to some of you parents. I am so sorry. All right. Now here's two things I want to point out. There was this guy. I don't know if he's your kid. I loved this guy. He had his costume. He kept looking in there, all right? And he kept asking me, what does this look like? I said, it's real hairy and it's got teeth. This kid literally walks around trunk or treat looking for that creature that got away. <laughs> and he came back 10 minutes later and said, have not seen it, but I'm looking. I said, look, it's really scary. I don't want you to get hurt. He pulls out a plastic sword. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. He takes off. 10 minutes later, comes back. I haven't seen it. What does it look like again? Real hairy, got teeth. He came back, I think, three or four times. Okay? Fifth time I was going to tell him. He never came back. He may be in his neighborhood looking for this thing. I don't know. But, okay, he believes something. But, all right, all the older kids came in, looked in, and said, oh, that's lame. That's dumb. There's nothing in there. The adults came by. What's in there? A mirror? Ha ha ha. Said, no, a cat. So here's the deal you can believe something that is not true if you're young and immature. But if you're mature, you can see through that. And sometimes in our church, we have an issue between conviction and preferences. There are convictions you should have. The name of Jesus is the only way to God, and that is a conviction. We have a statement of faith. Those are convictions. The Bible is the authority in the word of God. We have convictions. It is not a conviction 
in a lot of things that we have made a preference into a conviction. And then you get mean and nasty about that. Ooh, I'm meddling now, man. Security, John, where are you, man? You got to get me out of here, buddy. <laughs> the shooting people, they're with me, but the rest of them, they're not. <laughs> Cat people are coming after me. I know that right now. Here's what I want to tell you, okay? Will you let me have a couple minutes to be very honest without you being judgmental? Would you be open? Seriously. Okay. I have a lot of preferences. I would like church to be a certain way. I had great experiences growing up and some of those were good. I'd like to see some of them again today. But you know what? Those are my preferences. And so things about our church, music, okay, the style of music. Can I tell you this? Is JJ in here? He's not in here? Okay, good. We're going to talk about him. He's God's child. I've been with many, 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 many worship leaders over the years. Never have I had one so passionate, hungry, desirous for worship. Can I tell you, his style sometimes isn't my preference. But I will tell you this, I will come and worship with him any day. Because every song, every word is filled with a love and a desire for Jesus. And Terry has to be grown up enough to set aside his preference to say, I'm going to worship Jesus. Okay? You have preferences. Some of you walked in, saw me up here and said, oh, he's not speaking, is he? Where's Pastor John? He's the only one that could preach the word. Get Jake up here. He uses Greek words. He brings in live sheep and, and, and priests. Where's Daniel? He is a passionate youth zeal. I want to hear that. Kate has such an amazing gift of just, oh, I, it's even, I was trying to, how do you describe? She's just such an earthy, loving, womanly, neat thing that goes on with her messages. Amazing. If you have that preference, oh, I'm not coming because he or she or whatever. I'm really meddling now, aren't I? But it's truth. It's truth. These are the kinds of things. The pastor's the bullseye. And the enemy wants to defeat this church and ruin this church because he hates you being here and knowing Jesus and experiencing Jesus. So I'm just going to tell you this, okay? Listen, I don't care what side of the fence you are. That doesn't matter. You have a right to a preference. But if you make that a, a, a conviction, you've missed God. I, 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 there's so much more here I could do. I just got to be careful here, okay? Politics can be a very issue. COVID was an issue. With people, why are we not meeting? With people, why are we meeting? And, and, and you're here. It's okay. All right? And I understand the health. I get that. But you know what? I will say this. I knew that Pastor John heard from God and followed what he felt was right until he knew that we should meet again. And I believe in him. And I believe his ability to hear from God. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of other stuff here. I could get into this, but I'm going to drop it right there. Okay? Listen, can I say this with the most amazing love in my heart for you? There are churches that are better fits for people. That's okay. Okay? I've, 
I've had the privilege of marrying two amazing women. And they were both different. But I'll tell you what, they're both good fits. And sometimes, okay, with one, being honest here, I have a preference. And the other, I have a preference or had a preference. See what I'm saying? But guess what? You set aside those things because you want to build something good and loving. Is this hitting anybody? And we have to make some decisions. If this church has convictions that are not yours, there will probably be a church that you can find that conviction. But if not, can we have grace for one another? Can we have a pure heart as we treat each other? So let me just say this. You want to defeat Satan big time? Have a pure heart. Leave here today changed. Okay? So I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to get outside the box for me. Uh, those that know me, this is not my kind of sermon. I'm an encourager. But boy, I knew that I knew last week when John was preaching, the Lord gave me these three thoughts, and I'm going to finish with an opportunity to respond. All right? I'm going to pray in just a minute. And I want you to stand if you've allowed God to really put some light into an air in your heart. You might be here today, and maybe there's been unrighteousness in your lifestyle, and you want to just start new and say, God, help me with this. You may be here, all right, and you just are not committed to one another. Together, really, you've just avoided that. But today, maybe you'll say, I need to do better there. And you're going to respond. And then the last one is that, Lord, give me a pure heart. Help me with my thoughts and words in areas of the church. So here's what's going to happen. You get to make a choice, all right? And joy can fill this place if you are open to the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to pray. If any of these are things that you want to come to God with, I'm just going to ask you to stand. That's it. I'm not going to do anything else. Just going to ask you to stand. All right? So let's pray. Lord, we come together today with the belief that God is speaking into our lives. And Lord, I pray that people today who really want a change in their righteousness will stand. I pray, Lord, that people who have been disconnected will stand and be a part of your you have your puzzle for this church. I pray for people that will stand, Lord, that maybe some things have bent their heart has not been pure and right. So Lord, I pray these things that they would stand and Lord, give them the victory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.